Chapter eighteen of the Maid of Scar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Maid of Scar by R. D. Blackmore. Chapter eighteen. Public approbation. If that child had no luck herself, except, of course, in meeting me, at any rate she never failed to bring me wondrous fortune. The air was smooth and sweet and soft, the sky had not a wrinkle, and the fickle sea was smiling, proud of pleasant manners. Directly I began to fish at the western tail of the Tuscar, scarcely a fish forbore me, whiting pollocks run in shoals and a shoal i had of them and the way i split and dried them made us long for breakfast time and bardie did enjoy them so the more i dwelled with that little child the more i grew wrapped up in her her nature was so odd and loving and her ways so pretty many men forego their goodness so that they forget the nature of a little darling child otherwise perhaps we might not if we kept our hearts aright so despise the days of loving and the time of holiness now this baby almost shamed me and i might say bunny too when having undressed her and put the coarse rough nightgown on her which came from scar with the funerals my grandchild called me from upstairs to meet some great emergency granny come up with the stick directly moment granny dear missy aunt go unto bed such a bad wicked child she is i ran upstairs and there was bunny all on fire with noble wrath and there stood bardie sadly scraping the worm-eaten fork with her small white toes i's not a yicked child she said i's a yea good girl i is i ain't goin to bed till i say my prayers to mighty god as my dear mamma make me she be very angry with a uh, bunny hen she knows it hereupon i gave bunny a nice little smack and had a great mind to let her taste the stick which she had invoked so eagerly however she roared enough without it because her feelings were deeply hurt Bardie also cried for company, or perhaps at my serious aspect, until I put her down on her knees and bade her say her prayers and have done with it. At the same time it struck me how stupid I was not to have asked about this before, inasmuch as even a child's religion may reveal some of its history. She knelt as prettily as could be with her head thrown back and her tiny palms laid together upon her breast and thus she said her simple prayer pay god bless dear papa and mamma and ickle bother gentle jesus meek and ma ook upon a ickle child and make me a good gal amen then she got up and kissed poor bunny and was put into bed as good as gold and slept like a little dormouse till morning take it all together now we had a happy time of it every woman in newton praised me for my kindness to the child and even the men who had too many could not stand against bardie's smile they made up indeed some scandalous story as might have been expected about my relationship to the baby and her sudden appearance so shortly after my poor wife's death 
However, by knocking three men down, I produced a more active growth of charity in our neighborhood. And very soon a thing came to pass, such as I never could have expected, and of a nature to lift me, even more than the free use of my pole, for a period of at least six months, above the reach of libel, from any one below the rank of a justice of the peace. This happened just as follows. One night the children were snug in bed, and finding the evenings long, because the days were shortening in so fast, which seemed to astonish everybody, it came into my head to go no more than outside my own door and into the jolly sailors. For the autumn seemed to be coming on, and I like to express my opinions upon that point in society, never being sure where I may be before ever another autumn. Moreover, the landlord was not a man to be neglected with impunity. He never liked his customers to stay too long away from him any more than our parson did, and pleasant as he was, when pleased and generous in the way of credit to people with any furniture, nothing was more sure to vex him than for a man without excuse to pretend to get on without him now when i came into the room where our little sober proceedings are a narrow room and dark enough yet full of much good feeling also with hard wooden chairs worn soft by generations of sitting a sudden stir arose among the excellent people present they turned and looked at me as if they had never enjoyed that privilege or at any rate had failed to make proper use of it before and ere my modesty was certain whether this were for good or harm they raised such a clapping with hands and feet and a clinking of glasses in a line with it that i felt myself worthy of some great renown I stood there and bowed and made my best leg and took off my hat in acknowledgment. Observing this, they were all delighted, as if I had done them a real honor, and up they arose with one accord and gave me three cheers, with an Englishman setting the proper tune for it. I found myself so overcome all at once with my own fame and celebrity that i call for a glass of hot rum and water with the nipple of a lemon in it and sugar the size of a nutmeg my order was taken with a speed and deference hitherto quite unknown to me and better than that seven men opened purses and challenged the right to pay for it entering into so rare a chance of getting on quite gratis and knowing that such views are quick to depart i call for six ounces of tobacco with the bristol stamp a red crown upon it scarce had i tested the draught of a pipe which i had to do sometimes for half an hour with all to blow out and no drawing in when the tobacco was at my elbow served with a saucer and a curtsy well thought i this is real glory and i longed to know how i had earned it it was not likely with all those people gazing so respectfully that i would deign to ask them coarsely what the deuce could have made them do it i had always felt myself unworthy of obscure position and had dreamed for many years of having my merits perceived at last and to ask the reason would have been indeed a degradation although there was not a fibre of me but quivered to know all about it 
Herein, however, I overshot the mark, as I found out afterwards, for my careless manner made people say that I must have written the whole myself, a thing so very far below me that I scorned to answer it. But here it is, and then you can judge from the coarse style and the three-decked words whether it be work of mine. Felix Farley's Bristol Journal saturday july twenty fourth seventeen eighty two shipwreck and loss of all hands heroism of a british tar we hear of a sad catastrophe from the coasts of glamorganshire the season of great heat and drought from which our readers must have suffered broke up as they may kindly remember with an almost unprecedented gale of wind and thunder on sunday the eleventh day of this month in the height of the tempest a large ship was descried cast by the fury of the elements upon a notorious reef of rocks at a little place called scar about twenty miles to the east of swansea serious apprehensions were entertained by the spectators for the safety of the crew which appeared to consist of black men their fears were too truly verified for in less than an hour the ill-fated bark succumbed to her cruel adversaries no adult male of either colour appears to have reached the shore alive although a celebrated fisherman and heroic pensioner of our royal navy whose name is david llewellyn and who traces his lineage from the royal bard of that patronymic performed prodigies of valour and proved himself utterly regardless of his own respectable and blameless life by plunging repeatedly into the boiling surges and battling with the raging elements in the vain hope of extricating the sufferers from a watery grave with the modesty which appears to be under some inscrutable law of nature inseparable from courage of the highest order this heroic tar desires to remain in obscurity this we could not reconcile with our sense of duty and if any lover of our black brethren finds himself moved by this narration we shall be happy to take charge of any remittance marked d l it grieves us to add that none escaped except an intelligent young female who clung to the neck of llewellyn she states that the ship was the andalusia and had sailed from appledore which is we believe in devonshire the respected coroner bowles held an inquest which afforded universal satisfaction deeply surprised as i was to find how accurately upon the whole this paper had got the story of it for not much less than half was true it was at first a puzzle to me how they could have learned so much about myself and the valiant manner in which i intended to behave but found no opportunity until i remembered that a man possessing a very bad hat had requested the honour of introducing himself to me in my own house and had begged me by all means to consider myself at home and to allow him to send for refreshment which i would not hear of twice but gave him what i thought up to his mark according to manners and appearance and very likely he made a mistake between my description of what i was ready as well as desirous to carry out and what i bodily did go through i and more to the back of it 
However, I liked this account very much, and resolved to encourage yet more warmly the next man who came to me with a bad hat. What then was my disgust at perceiving at the very foot of that fine description a tissue of stuff like the following? Another account from a highly esteemed correspondent. The great invasion of sand, which has for so many generations spread such wide devastation and occasioned such grievous loss to landowners on the western coast of Glamorganshire, made another great stride in the storm of Sabbath day, July 11. A vessel of considerable burthen, named the Andalusia, and laden with negroes most carefully shipped for conversion among the good merchants of Bristol, appears to have been swallowed up by the sand, and our black fellow-creatures disappeared. It is to be feared from this visitation of an ever-benign providence that few of them had been converted, and that the burden of their sins disabled them from swimming." if one had been snatched as a brand from the burning gladly would we have recorded it and sent him forward prayerfully for sustenance on his way to the lord but the only eye-witness whose word must never be relied upon when mammon enters into the conflict a worn-out but well-meaning sailor who fattens upon the revenue of an overburdened country this man ran away so fast that he saw hardly anything the Lord, however, knoweth his own in the days of visitation. A little child came ashore alive, and a dead child bearing a coronet. Many people have supposed that the pusillanimous sailor aforesaid knows much more than he will tell. It is not for us to enter into that part of the question. Duty, however, compels us to say that any one desiring to have a proper comprehension of this heavy but righteous judgment, for he doeth all things well, cannot do better than apply to the well-known horologist of Bridgend, Hezekiah Perkins, also to the royal family. The above yarn may simply be described as a gallows rope spun by Jack Ketch himself from all the lies of all the scoundrels he has ever hanged, added to all that his own vile heart can invent with the devil to help him. The cold-blooded creeping and crawling manner in which I myself was alluded to, although without the manliness even to set my name down, as well as the low hypocrisy of the loathsome white-livered syntax of it made me well i will say no more the filthiness reeks without my stirring and indeed no honest man should touch it only if hezekiah perkins had chanced to sneak into the room just then his wife might have prophesied shrouds and weeds for who else was capable of such lies slimed with so much sanctimony like cellar slugs or bilge hole rats rolling in angelica while all their entrails are of brimstone such as satan would scorn to vomit a bitter pain went up my right arm for the weakness of my heart when that miscreant gave me insult and i never knocked him down the well and over and over again i have found it a thorough mistake to be always forgiving however to have done with reflections which must suggest themselves to any one situated like me if indeed any one ever was after containing myself on account of the people who surrounded me better than could have been hoped for i spoke because they expected it 
Truly, my dear friends, I am thankful for your goodwill towards me, also to the unknown writer, who has certainly made too much of my poor unaided efforts. I did my best. It was but little, and who dreams of being praised for it. Again, I am thankful to this other writer who has overlooked me altogether. For the sake of poor Sandy Macraw, we must thank him that he kindly forbore to make public the name. You should have seen the faces of all the folk around the table when I gave them this surprise. Why, said one, we thought for sure that it was you he was meaning. Do you, dear? And in our hearts we were angry to him for such falsehoods, large and black. Indeed, and indeed, true enough, it may be of a man outlandish, such as Sandy Macraw is. Let us not hasten to judge, I replied. Sandy is brave enough, I dare say, and he can take his own part well. I will not believe that he ran away. Very likely he never was there at all. If he was, he deserves high praise for taking some little care of himself. I should not have been so stiff this night if I had only had the common sense to follow his example. All our people began to rejoice, and yet they required, as all of us do, something more than strongest proof. What reason is to show, then, do you, that this man of letters meant not you, but Sandy Macraw, to run away so? Hopkin read it aloud. I said, neither do I know nor care what the writer's meaning was, only I thought there was something spoken about His Majesty's revenue. Is it I or is it Sandy that belongs to the revenue? This entirely settled it. All our people took it up and neglected not to tell one another, so that in less than three days' time my name was spread far and wide for the praise and the Scotsman's for the condemnation. I desired it not, as my friends well knew, but what used to beat to windward against the breath of the whole of the world. Therefore I was not so obstinate as to set my opinion against the rest, but left it to Macraw to rebut if he could his pusillanimity. As for Hezekiah Perkins, all his low creations fell upon the head from which they sprang. I spoke to our rector about his endeavour to harm a respectable Newton man, for you might call Macraw that by comparison, though he lived in Porthcall and was not respectable, and everybody was struck with my kindness in using such handsome terms of a rival. The result was that Perkins lost our church clock, which paid him as well as a many to others, having been presented to the parish and therefore not likely to go without pushing. For our rector was a peppery man, except when in the pulpit, and what he said to Hezekiah was exactly this. What, Perkins, another great bill again? to repair of church clock seven and sixpence to ten miles travelling at threepence per mile and so on and so on why you never came further than my brother the colonel's the last three times you have charged for allow me to ask you a little question to whom did you go for the keys of the church as if i should want any keys of the church there is no church lock in the county that i cannot open as soon as whistle indeed so you pick our lock 
do you ever open a church door honestly for the purpose of worshipping the lord i have kept my eye upon you sir because i hear that you have been reviling my parishioners and i happen to know that you never either opened the lock of our church or picked it for the last three times you have charged for but one thing you have picked for many years and that is the pocket of my ratepayers be off sir be off with your trumpery bill we will have a good churchman to do our clock a thoroughly honest seaman and a regular church-goer do you mean that big thief davy llewellyn well well do as you please but i will thank you to pay my bill first thank me when you get it sir you may fall down on your canting knees and thank the lord for one thing what am i to thank the lord for for allowing you to cheat me thus for giving me self-command enough not to knock you down sir with that the rector came so nigh him that brother perkins withdrew in haste for the parson had done that sort of thing to people who ill-used him and the sense of the parish was always with him hence the management of the church clock passed entirely into my hands and i kept it almost always going at less than half hezekiah's price and this reunited me to the church from which my poor wife perhaps had led me astray some little by a monthly arrangement which reflected equal credit on either party and even this was not the whole of the blessings that now rolled down upon me for the sake no doubt of little bardie as with the ark in the bible for this fine felix farley was the only great author of news at that time prevalent among us it is true that there was another journal nearer to us at harford and a highly good one but for a very clear reason it failed to have command of the public houses for the customers liked both their pipes and their papers to be of the same origin and go together kindly and hereford sent out no tobacco while bristol was more famous for the best virginian bird's eye than even for rum or intelligence therefore as everybody gifted with the gift of reading came to the public-houses gradually and to compare interpretation over those two narratives both of which stirred our county up my humble name was in their mouths as freely and approvingly as the sealing wax end of their pipe stems unanimous consent accrued when all had said the same thing over fifty times in different manners and with fine-drawn argument that after all and upon the whole david llewellyn was an honour to county and to country after that for at least a fortnight no more dogs were set on me when i showed myself over a gentleman's gate in the hope of selling fish to him it used to be always at him pincher into his legs growler boy so that i was compelled to carry my congerod to save me now however and for a season till my fame grew stale i never lifted the latch of a gate without hearing grateful utterance towser down you son of a gun yelp and vic hold your stupid tongues will you the value of my legs was largely understood by gentlemen as for the ladies and the housemaids if conceit were in my nature what a run it would have had always and always the same am i and above even women's opinions but i know no other man whose head would not have been turned with a day of it for my rap at the door was scarcely given louder perhaps than it used to be before every maid in the house was out and the lady looking through the blinds 
i used to dance on the step and beat my arms on my breast with my basket down between my legs and tremble almost for a second rap and then it was like your imperence none of your stinking stuff and so on but now they ran down beautifully and looked up under their eyelids at me and left me to show them what i liked and never beat down a halfpenny and even accepted my own weight such is the grand effect of glory and i might have kissed every one of them and many even of the good plain cooks if i could have reconciled it with my sense of greatness End of chapter eighteen